everyone. I'm Carrie. And I'm Will. And this is the Baseball Unchained Podcast, where a husband and wife get together and discuss the current happenings in Major League Baseball. It is Monday, May 8th, 2023 at 5.30 p.m. Before we get started, we have a fangram. Um, this one comes from Rowdy. He is writing to Riley Green, and his fangram is, Let's go, Riley! Riley! So I don't know if he was just referencing our inside joke or his performance against the Mets and the Cardinals, which we'll get to how the Tigers did as a team. But in the series against the Mets and the Cardinals, these were Riley Green's combined stats. He was nine for 23 for five RBI, a home run, and his slash line was 391 average. 390 on base, 606 slugging for a total of a 996 OPS. More it's like, pretty good. More like WOPS. WOPS. <laughs> How about this? Instead of UPS, it's OPS. And instead of what can Brown do for you, it's what can Green do for you. With an E on the end. Looks like Green with an E on the end can do a lot for you. If you are the team of which he is playing on. Anyway. That's all we got for it today. <laughs> it's the end of the episode. It's the end of the episode. It's the whole thing. No, that's all the fangrams we had. But if you guys want to submit a fangram, you can now use our new website. Woo! That is officially official as of Saturday. Go on to Baseball and Chain dot com go to the fangrams tab and fill out the quick little form right there it'll ask you for your name who you're writing to and what your fangram is and then you just click submit and we will get a notification and potentially read it on the show if you want to do cool fangram things just think about when you go to the ballpark and you see the fangrams while you're there because that's the goal that we have in mind for the fangrams. And on Sunday when we were there, we got to watch a fan get proposed to via fangram. Tyler got proposed to. Tyler is the girl's name, we think. There was a girl and a guy and Tyler was crying. Whomever that may be. Yeah. All right. Cool. Let's get into the episode. Do it. Before we get to our MLB recaps, we have a international baseball update. And if you have been listening to us since day one, you already know who this guy is. Kasumba Dennis. We talked about him for a while because we had a lot of buzz going around with what he was doing. And how we could get, not we personally, how America could get him over here to play for Major League Baseball. And he is finally going to be getting that opportunity. He has officially signed to participate in the Major League Baseball Draft League. It's a month-long exhibition league where top high school, college, and junior college players get to play in front of MLB scouts. Yeah, so he will be playing with a bunch of other people who are on his level trying to get into the into the draft and there's going to be tons of scouts from all the major league teams there so if he does well enough he will maybe get signed by a team or 
and get um, put into the draft. Good to play. Yep. Fingers crossed. And he works his ass off. Like every single video he posts on Twitter, like every single day, is like he's bench pressing tires in the pouring rain and stuff. It's like dedication. Crazy. All right. This is going to be a injury news laden episode. And even though that's like the main category, the Yankees injury situation pretty much deserved its own category. This past week, Aaron Judge had a hip issue come up. I think we touched on it last episode, but he officially went on the IL this week with a mild hip strain. He will be back Tuesday, they said, with no limitations. But the Yankees tend to have a lot of PR speak about injuries. Uh, Johnny Lasagna is out three to six weeks with elbow inflammation. That was three to six, not three six. Thirty six. Thirty six weeks. It might be thirty six. We don't know. Um, speaking of the PR thing, Stanton went down with a hamstring about a week or so ago. I think his timetable was about six weeks. Uh, relief pitcher Lou Trevino will have Tommy John surgery and miss the rest of the year. Carlos Rodon isn't having any more pain, but his back still isn't right, is the quote from Carlos Rodon. Rodon. Carlos Rodon. His back still isn't right, and he can't move the way he needs to in order to pitch. Like, there's not any actual diagnosis that has been given from any doctors like they can't say whether it's a disc thing or spasms or anything like that because it's not causing him pain or anything so they don't know what they're dealing with and this was one of the yankees he was one of the yankees top signings in the offseason they paid him like 160 some million over the course of the contract he they did say he will get a cortisone injection, but there's not any timetable for his return from the injury. And then lastly, Aaron Boone, the Yankees manager, is going on the 60-day IL with a left brain strain, the part that controls logic, after he pulled Domingo Herman out of a game he was throwing complete game shutout type baseball. He had gone 8.1 innings of the full nine he needed and was only at around 85 to 90 pitches at the time. Boone put in Clay Holmes, who promptly gave up the lead and allowed the Guardians to get the go-ahead run, and the Yankees lost 3-2. to That was embarrassing. Yeah. So, before the season started, there were a lot of injuries happening with the Yankees already, which we had a whole episode dedicated to, pretty much, with the Nestor Fester and and all that, but now it's like everyone's getting hurt for them, and uh, we kind of talked about this a little bit off of air, if you want to call it that, off air. In real life, IRL. We don't have really any sympathy for them. None. Because the Rays were the most injured team in Major League Baseball last year, 
aside from maybe like the Reds, I think, or something. And I they, they might have they might have even taken overtaken them at some point. Yeah. Most injured team in baseball. And they still made the wild card last year. Granted, it was the first year that they did the three like the multiple game multiple wild cards and the three game series wild cards and expanded the playoffs. But still they made the playoffs. We're still gonna have those expanded playoffs this year, and the Yankees sure as shit are not going to be in it. Yeah. And I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but the Yankees fans on social media were blaming their struggles on the injuries. Newsflash, guys. Even with all of your injuries, your current roster, the payroll is more than like three teams combined and more than the Rays currently have with all of their players healthy or all of their lineup healthy. They don't have all their players healthy either. So my thing is, though, like you can't call yourself a good team if the only people that make you good are your starters. If you have to go into second string and all of that, then you should still be a good team to be a good team. You should still play well. You should still be able to perform with people who are not the first nine people that you play. Yeah, they don't have any depth. And that's not really... You're not going to get anywhere with that. Their front office did nothing to improve their depth. They just signed like really big pitchers who are struggling with injury. So I, I, I don't know if Rodon could have been foreseen during like his physical and stuff like Correa was a big deal over the off season. Like, I don't know if that was an oversight on the front office's part, but the fact that they don't have any bench players who are reliable enough to cover judge and Stanton being out is definitely their fault. Yep. And that's it. I mean, Stan has lost time to injury in pretty much every season for the last several seasons. So if you don't have a contingency plan for that yet, then you're stupid at this point. And you're just throwing $300 million or $200 whatever it is, on a roster that if you have two guys go down, then you're shit out of luck. Yankees fans, sound off in the comments your thoughts about how your front office put this team together because you've got Aaron Hicks, Willie Calhoun, IKF. Those are your those are your bench players that are covering spots right now. On a good team note, which makes us sad, but does not prevent us from winning games. Pete Fairbanks goes on the aisle with forearm tightness. Unrelated to the Reynolds disease that forced him to leave the game in Chicago. It wasn't about his cold fingers. When everyone first saw the news, including us, we feared Tommy John surgery, but he said that it was closer to the wrist and that he expected it to be a short stint. So. Yeah, so if he is only on there for the 15 days, because he was put on the 15 day IL, then he will be back sometime this weekend, I think. That would be good. Yep. 
and then continuing on with more injury stuff. Like this is going to be a, a long section and there's going to be even more stuff later on. We kind of wrap back around to it. We weren't kidding when we said that this was the injury episode. Astros starting pitcher Luis Garcia exited a game in the first inning with discomfort in his elbow. On Friday, the Astros updated his status, saying that he will undergo Tommy John surgery and miss the rest of the 2023 season. So the Astros have him go down, but they have reinforcements that come up and just pitch like they've been major leaguers for forever. Like Hunter Brown killed us, and then JP France came up this past weekend. I saw a video on France playing France. Yeah, France versus France. The Astros and the Mariners. He did pretty well. I mean, they lost that game, but yeah. They've they've got guys that they can bring up and just fill in where they need to fill in, unlike the Yankees who don't know how to run an organization. This is me being shocked. DeGrom was also placed on the injured list with elbow inflammation. He's expected to miss approximately two more weeks. Honestly, the way that he reacted when he was pulled out of the game looked like he was done for the season. So I don't know if this is, again, just like a let's not freak the fans out type thing. Hush, hush, play it cool. And then like in two weeks, they're going to be like, oh, he had a setback and he's going to require surgery. You know, like just kind of try to soften the blow for a little bit while they can figure out a way to not make it seem so doom and gloom right now. But in his absence, Eovaldi has had a really a couple nice starts. He had the complete game shutout we talked about last time, and then I think this time he went eight innings and maybe he allowed one run. I don't know exactly the figure. But he's had some pretty good starts for them and they won both those games, so good. But yeah. There have been a lot of pitching injuries early on, and you kind of have to wonder if maybe it's pitch clock related. I don't see why it would be, but there's some arguments out there saying that because they have less time between pitches to, like, shake it out or whatever. I don't know. I don't think that's... I would think, if anything, it's going to help them stay warm longer. Yeah. And by longer, I don't mean a period of time, of course. I mean, like, throughout the game. Yeah. I'm sorry. So, Nathan Evaldi followed up his complete game shutout streak, or complete game shutout with a, another appearance of shutout innings. He didn't go full game, but... He went eight innings with no runs against the Angels. That's exactly what you should be able to do. You should be able to come out and perform. Yeah, when you have people that get injured, it's just the next guy up. So Eovaldi is now the Rangers' Jacob DeGrom. We have some positive injury news follow-up. Yeah, it's like the flip side of things. We got the this doom and gloom side, and now we've got the... Bloomin' room. Bloomin' onion. Oh, I love a good bloomin' onion, man. 
I can tell the, the sound waves spiked yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so Bryce Harper is returning from Tommy John's surgery way sooner than anticipated. He joined the Phillies lineup on Tuesday, got a standing ovation, but brushed it off like, yeah, okay, that's nice. Let's go play. Yeah, it was just kind of like a pleasantry type thing. He just like, I'm not here to, I haven't done anything worthy of you guys cheering me on. I think being humble is a nice thing. So good for you, Bryce. We're on a first name basis. Harp. So Bryce Harper returned to playing baseball in the starting lineup only 160 days after his Tommy John surgery, which is the fastest. A little over five months. Yeah. Fastest anyone's ever returned from it. And he's not a pitcher, so that doesn't have to use his arm at all where they have him right now. Because he's primarily going to be DHing for a little bit. But it's still impressive. No, definitely. Does swinging about, though, not have any kind of effects on elbows like that? I don't know. I would think that it would. I don't know if it's the same as throwing like 90 miles an hour or anything like that. Maybe if you just don't swing hard, let the bat do the work. There's a reason why we don't play baseball. I mean, I've played baseball, but I don't know if it affects your elbow when you swing. There's a if reason why can... we don't play baseball professionally. <laughs> I have for 30 years. <laughs> Liam Hendricks has made his return to baseball. He's cancer-free and was pitching for their triple-A team. He made a rehab appearance Friday night and threw a scoreless inning. The appearance was at an away game against the Gwinnett Stripers. He received an ovation from the crowd and the opposing players and his own players on the Charlotte Knights mm-hmm. the White Sox after he threw his warm-up pitches. Um, <laughs> he said that he appreciated the gesture, but he said, I'm a guy that pitches on anger. And it's really tough to do that when you know the other team is full of nice people who would do something like that. I saw pictures of him when he walked out on the field with a shirt that says kicked cancer's ass. And he is absolutely beaming. So I would imagine if pitching on anger is your thing, maybe the first game that you come back to pitch is not going to go well. Yeah. And yet somehow he still pitched to score with something. He wore a shirt that said struck out cancer to his press conference before he made his first appearance back because everyone was using the strike out cancer slogan, which I think was already a Major League Baseball thing before. Yeah, I think it is. But he he wore that shirt in the press conference before his first rehab appearance and then he wore the other one as he was warming up before the game i think yeah but yeah that makes my heart really happy for him i'm glad that he was able to hit cancer's ass not everyone gets to do that unfortunately so yeah he's he's one of the players that i like no matter you know I'm not like a Cubs fan or anything, so I don't hate the White Sox. But if I was a Cubs fan, I would probably still like Liam Hendricks. Yeah. You know, he's one of those kind of players. 
it might have something to do with the Australian accent and the fact that he pitches angry. In the All-Star game, I believe it was last year's All-Star game, they were doing the mic'd up things. And he he's angry, like he pitches angry. And he also reacts angrily when he doesn't make his pitch. So he threw like a slider in the dirt. He just said fuck like on the microphone. Australian leaf. He's just like, I'm sorry, guys. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, Uh, great. You can't see it. I'm not responding, but I have like a mouth open smile looking at Will while he talks about this. That's my version of reacting. So all of the injury talk that we've been doing has technically been part of our Monday to Wednesday recap of the series. But now we're actually going to talk about some of the series. Start off with the Mets and the Tigers. The Mets got swept by the Tigers. This was both Scherzer and Verlander pitching in the series, which that's like two big names. And for them to participate in getting swept, not great. Scherzer pitched 3.1 innings, 8 hits, 6 earned runs, and 2 home runs allowed. Verlander pitched five innings, two earned runs on a t- on two separate two solo home runs, with only five strikeouts. That appearance was not a great look for Scherzer, who vehemently denies cheating when he was ejected, comes back from suspension, and then gets freaking lit up. Yeah, I mean, people definitely are gonna be like, "Hmm, you know, you were accused of cheating in a." game that you're pitching really well you get suspended for two starts you come back and then you don't even go five innings and you give up six runs and his spin rate on his pitches was down so i don't know if he just my question i guess that just popped in my head would be was he not allowed to practice or anything over the 10 days or was he just suspended from live game appearances because if he wasn't able to pitch like a bullpen or whatever then i could see that yeah that's a good question i don't know but i don't think they could really do that because then that endangers his safety and his health yeah i I mean to stop him from being able to keep the strength and what he's able to do there i think is definitely a dangerous thing but also, if if it were me in his case, and I was accused of cheating and then had to come back and do this start, I probably would have performed as poorly as he did, just because, like, people don't believe in you. People don't think that you can be that good without having cheated to do what you were doing. So then to come back out and do it again, I, I just don't think that I would have it. I think I'd be mentally fucked. Yeah, I mean, he's, well, I was going to say he's going to be a Hall of Famer, but um, you know what? Yeah, he's still going to be a Hall of Famer. I don't think that the suspension thing is going to change that because they didn't really prove that he was using anything illegal. It was just, nothing was proven definitively because they were going to have, he was going to appeal but then when he found out that the appeal process was going to be going through like an MLB arbitrator, arbiter, arbiter, 
and would be arbiter, then he decided not to do it because he thought it was going to be biased. Because, like, MLB is the one that suspended him, so... It's, like, not even that big of a suspension. Like, if you legitimately thought that he was doing something illegal and to prove that he was doing that illegal thing, he would have been suspended for more than just two starts. Yeah. Like, half a season, he would have been fined, things like that. But he just... Two starts is not a lot. Given that, I mean, they usually pitch, like, what, every five or six games? Yeah, five or six days. So it was only two starts. It was ten days total. I feel like that wouldn't really have an, that big of an effect on the Hall of Fame aspect for him. I was trying to find a comment that I made earlier for some... Oh. So... The the game day MLB Facebook account posted a picture of Verlander looking disappointed and said, the Mets pitching staff has allowed the most home runs and walked the most batters in the National League. I said, they're playing two geriatrics more than... Mm-hmm. They're paying two geriatrics more than the entire Oakland Athletics payroll combined. Scherzer and Verlander may eventually find their stride this year, but they need to be careful with them. Verlander's already been injured and is coming off the IL, and Scherzer has some recent injury history. They are just old for being MLB pitchers. It's a long season for guys that are 22, let alone guys that are 38, Scherzer, and 40, Verlander. So it could also be that he just had some downtime and he had to ramp it back up and he's just old and it didn't go so well. Yeah. Not saying 38's old because... We're not that far away from it, but... um, It makes me so sad that we're closer to 38 than we are to 22. I'm closer to 38. I'm evenly... Yeah, you're... I'm evenly away from 22. I'm closer to 38 than I am to 22. (laughs) A moment of silence. I'm like the Crypt Keeper! Do you know what that's from? Something. It sounds familiar. It's from Freaky Friday. Oh, yeah. So, not great for Scherzer. It was also not great for the Blue Jays um, Monday through Thursday this week. They got swept or mopped, as the kids say nowadays, since we're both old, you know. Cool kids. Huh? Cool kids. The kids, you know, the young. It's not. I do. Okay. <laughs> it's a four-game sweep, so it's a mop. Okay. Anyway, the Blue Jays got mopped in a four-game series against the Red Sox. Was it mopping because the Blue Jays cried? Probably. It's mop up the tears. Everyone in the AL East was over five hundred. And this really kind of shook up the division because Toronto was on the heels of the Orioles before this series started. And now Toronto is a game and a half behind the Orioles. They made up ground by winning three in a row this weekend. But before that, they were quite a bit further behind the Orioles at this point in the week, Thursday. 
this brings up something that if you guys are listening to this before 1.26 p.m., you should go onto our Twitter, at Baseball Chain, and vote in the poll that I put up. Like I was saying, currently all five of the American League East teams are over 500. And in baseball, there are only five teams with 20 wins or more. The AL East has four out of five of those teams. But the poll is asking how many of the teams will finish the season over 500. And the options start at two. That just just to tell you how much and how good the division is. So options are two, three, four, or all of them. And right now, as we record this, it is 63% say all of them, and 38% say four. No one else has picked the other two options. I think it's going to be three. Which ones? The Orioles. The Blue Jays and the Rays, of course. I thought you were going to say the Yankees. No, I don't think the Yankees can do it. I don't think they have it. I think they're going to just be too broken and fuck the Red Sox. So that's that's what I got. I think four. Who do you think not? Red Sox. The Rays are doing it. That's not what I was going to say. The Yankees aren't doing it. Are they going to get Judge back this week? Maybe. Tomorrow. Maybe. That's what they say. Do I see a lot of things? Anyway, good job, Red Sox. Four in a row. For the third series that we're going to talk about, we're also going to have a third sweep. There was a best of showdown between the... Sweep, sweep! All right, Evan Almighty. (laughs) There was a best of showdown between the Rays and the Pirates, and the Rays did a little sweep sweep. Custodial work. They swept the plank and then made the Pirates walk it. Pirates left with no booty. What about the ones they came in with? Probably don't have those anymore either. They made them. We took all of booty. <laughs> made them take their booties off? Yeah. It makes it sound like little things they wear in their shoes. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking of (laughs) when you said that. I wonder if Pirates fans were flipping out because they lost three in a row after they thought they were so good. You know who was flipping out? No. Wander Franco. He did a backflip right in the middle of the field. Really? No, it was a ball flip. He did flip and then get it out. He was flipping out. Flip and out. It was not incredibly well received. Not a lot of people were impressed by it. But, including Brian Reynolds. But we don't give a shit because we're cool and people deserve to know. Plus, you know, that 21-year-old... Is he still 21 or is he turned 22? 22, I think. When's his birthday? The youngin of the Rays. He was just showing how cool he was as a 22-year-old. And it's showboating. Would it be show shipping if it was a pirate? No, you can still say boat. Show boating. Like show shipping. Yeah, I don't I don't think that I would have had a problem with it unless I was a Pirates fan. Yeah. You know, like if the Yankees did that against us, 
I would pretty I'd be pretty upset about it. Fans of all twenty nine other teams besides the Pirates were okay with it. I think that the Yankees could do a nice gesture, like actually legitimately do something nice, and you'd still fucking hate it. Well, yeah, because it's the Yankees. So you picking the Yankees to do it doesn't really mean much. The only person that is involved with the Yankees that I feel like it's like a Liam Hendricks type thing is Judge. Judge is like... I disagree. He's not a he's he's a does good, not put off like dickhead vibes like some of the other players on that team. Don't think I agree with you. I think you're wrong. Oh, okay. It's not like Josh Donaldson who's always just like sitting in a dugout being a freaking peanut gallery, just pointing across the diamond laughing at people or trying to make a fight happen. Moving on. We don't have the same opinion. Okay, that means we have to move on. I feel like it might be more interesting if we just talked about it. Honestly, the only person I've ever gotten additional information about on the Yankees that I've actually cared for in any way was, like, Tavino. He was mic'd up once. I figured out. I was trying to talk to you about this at the game, and I couldn't figure out what it was. He was mic'd up, and you could hear him. No. It was during the All-Star game. Yeah. That's what it was. And he just seems like a genuinely really good guy. And he's entertaining and he's funny and he's thankful. He's thankful to play for a team as good as the Yankees. Well, he grew up a Yankees fan. And he gets to just play the sport that he loves. And he's not, like, dicking around. Yeah, I think I like Trevino also. But, you said the only person you Yeah, liked. well, I didn't think about it too long. I remember that. Now that I remembered where it was and I yelled about it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that took okay, me a long so time Okay, so the only two people... The <laughs> <laughs> only two people... Yeah. And I specifically chose the but phrase... Mouthpiece. Don't even get me started on mouthpiece. I chose the phrase dicking around because Judge has like a hip injury. And I think that's exactly what he was doing. He was dicking around. He should be on the Dodgers. I'm pretty sure only Scherzer and Verlander would be the ones who'd break a hip <laughs> dicking around. <laughs> I don't know. All right, moving on. We're moving on to Thursday through Sunday. The Cardinals. Are still sucking. This was on Wednesday. The Cardinals blew a lead to the Angels. And were the worst team in the National League. They, at that point, were 10-21 and 21 and 10 games behind the Pirates in their division. As of Saturday, they lost their eighth game in a row and fell to 14 games under 500. They played against the Tigers, who were just coming off a sweep of the Mets. And with... Those two wins against the Cardinals, the Tigers won five in a row. So really, it was like two teams moving in opposite directions, facing off at the right or wrong time, depending if you're a Tigers or Cardinals fan. The Cardinals were able to avoid the sweep, however. They won yesterday, even though they tried their hardest to give it away. Uh, Jake Rogers of the Tigers had a go-ahead grand slam 
in the sixth, but the Redbirds came back and held on for the rest of the game. Astonishingly. The Cardinals have had one losing season in the 21st century, which was in 2007 when they went 78 and 84. So not even like a holy crap or bad season. They were only six, six games under 500. In addition to this losing streak, the Cardinals' string of questionable roster decisions also continued. It has been announced that Wilson Contreras, the catcher that they signed for five years, $87.5 million, to come play as a catcher, is now going to be designated hitter only over the next few weeks, and perhaps play in a corner outfield spot, where he only has 35 appearances over the course of his eight-year career. Taylor Motter, who was called up to to replace Jordan Walker, was sent back down, and Trace Barrera, the third-string catcher, was called up from AAA to replace Contreras in the depth chart. Um, So, are the Cardinals hitting the panic button? So, are the Cardinals hitting... It's a two-part question. Are the Cardinals hitting the panic button? And second part of the question, should they be hitting the panic button? Or should they just continue as they are? What's up with Contreras? He's like... So, I follow a Cubs fan um, who has a YouTube channel that I follow as well. And he and other Cubs fans are saying that Contreras has never been a great catcher. And there was like a breakdown of, I believe it was from 2022, when Contreras was catching and when other catchers were catching their starting pitching. And the only starting pitcher that had a better ERA with Contreras was Marcus Stroman. So like, the other four or five pitchers had worse outings when he was catching. That's kind of like a circumstantial type thing. I mean, you can list those stats and say that because he was calling the game and they had a worse start, but there's probably other factors that go into that. Like whether they were making the pitches that he called and who they were playing against, stuff like that. But who the ump was? That too. Yeah. But they're yeah. The main thing is that they're the argument is that he's not a great catcher. Um he's only really a good offensive player is what, what they're saying. But now what they're doing is they're occupying a designated hitter spot that they could put someone else on their team that is a good hitter and they're going to bring up a catcher who can catch but can't hit (laughs) I was going to ask how I don't know much about the Barrera guy but you're no matter who's replacing Contreras at the catcher spot in the lineup he's not going to have the same kind of offensive production so instead of having a equal type hitter or average mlb hitter in the dh spot and having Contreras catch you're taking up 
two spots with two guys that are catchers. And only one of them is going to be catching. Is Contreras good at batting? Yeah. He's not. I mean, he has potential to be really good at batting. I think he's been one of their only good hitters over this losing stretch. Him and Goldschmidt have been pretty much the only ones that are doing much of anything right now. But, yeah, it just doesn't make sense to go along with the Jordan Walker deal thing that we talked about last week. If you're going to put Contreras in the outfield where he's not a great defender there either, um, you should just bring Walker back up. I I can't imagine like being classified as a catcher in MLB and then being put in the outfield like that's that's two different things completely like two different completely different builds of human being what you can do with your body as a catcher is not going to be the same thing that you can do with your body as a an outfielder yeah I mean, he, he has a good arm, I guess, is why he's played outfield before, but you have to be able to get to the ball, too. Yeah, I was going to say that. It's like, catcher is such a stagnant position, and it gives you, like, hip and knee flexibility, but it, that doesn't mean that you can run, and, like, do you know how to make outfield catches? Can you jump and, like, do crazy shit? Nope. Or are you just going to be... A body to stop the ball from getting to the wall and potentially not even doing that. Yeah, the there was a highlight that people were sharing of him going for a ball in left field at Wrigley Field. And it was just kind of like a dribbling grounder in the outfield grass. And he tried to backhand it and it went all the way to the wall. So... Not everyone's built a backhand. Not a great not a great defender. No. Anywhere you put him. He also spells his name wrong. Did you spell it wrong? No, it's two L's. That's yeah. Um So should the Cardinals be hitting the panic button? Or well, the answer to the are they hitting the panic button is obviously yes, because you don't make stupid decisions like this if you're not. But should they be hitting the panic button? We're like 35 games into the season-ish. So we're like a fifth of the way through the season. And they're doing pretty bad. So... I would say that now is a good time to pack. They are nine games out of first. The Pirates are still first in their division. I don't I don't think the Pirates are as good as they have been to start the year. They've lost six seven in a row. They went 0-6 against the Rays and the Blue Jays. We have less losses than they have wins. The Cardinals? Yeah. Yeah. The Rays are still the only team that doesn't have double-digit losses. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, But what I was going to say is I don't think the Pirates are going to be as good as they have been to start the season for the rest of the season. So I don't think they're going to win the division. 
And then the Brewers have been very up and down, and they were probably one of the top picks to win the division, but it doesn't... Basically, what I'm trying to say is it doesn't really seem like anybody wants to win the division right now. And it it's like the same thing in the other central division in the American League. Like, the only team over 500 is the Twins. And then in the NL Central is the Pirates and the Brewers. That's it. But I, I think the Cardinals, the beginning of the year is not where they're good. They normally figure it out like after the All-Star break, and then they have two insane months, and then they're back in the playoff race. I don't, I don't feel optimistic for that. Well, they had Arenado, like I was saying before, Arenado has not been going. It's basically just been Goldschmidt and, you know, Contreras and maybe one or two other guys. Arenado had like a 69 OPS plus so far on the season, which means he's 31% worse than the MLB average. And people were wondering whether he's playing injured or not, and he confirmed that he isn't. He's just not doing well. I think I'd lie. <laughs> well, he got hit in the hand or something in the World Baseball Classic, and that's and he has yeah. had a good start to the year, so not good. Bryce Harper got his first home run since returning from the IL, but the Phillies still lost to the Red Sox, who, as of Saturday, were on an eight-game winning streak. Yeah, the Red Sox took the momentum from the sweep of the Blue Jays and continued it on in Philly. But good for Bryce Harper. He finally, I tweeted out that Bryce Harper was finally back. Now we can say he's back because he hit his first home run since he came back. More positive injury news. Harrison Bader returned from injury for the Yankees. And he promptly became a Ray killer out of nowhere. He hit a game-tying three-run homer on Friday night and followed it up with the go-ahead RBI on Saturday. But the Rays won the series 2-1 against the Yankees with a walk-off win on Sunday, which we were there for. And the Rays are still undefeated when we go to their games. It is true. Even Mouthpiece couldn't ruin that for us. Yeah. It was kind of funny at one point during the game on Sunday when it was after the Rays had come back and tied the game. Maybe we had taken the lead. I don't remember exactly, but it was one of those two. Bader turned around and looked at our section, and I just like slow clapped his yeah, face. <laughs> I remember. It was pretty great. It but, was a. Yeah. It was a really. Good game to go to. Normally, the Rays-Yankees games have a lot of hostility, and we are constantly surrounded by, like, the douchiest of douchebags, and it leaves a lot of room for not fun to be had. Mm. And I didn't feel like that was how it was for us at all on Sunday, which is great. Um, There were Yankees fans around us, but they were fairly calm. And there was also, like, a lot of Rays fans around, which is nice. 
Um, but then Will had a magical moment that deemed him MVP. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about putting that in the episode, but the Rays were down six to nothing very early on. I think after the fourth inning, they got down six nothing. And they scored two in the fifth, and then they had. They had a double by Ramirez, and then Prades uh, hit a ground rule double to make it 6-3. And then Yandi hit a single, and Margot walked. So it was two on. Cole was struggling, and I was kind of taunting him from our section uh, because that's what I do. Yeah, I was going to say that. But Bethancourt is coming up. There's two people on. And if you go back and watch the broadcast, you have to really, really listen for it. But you can hear me chanting in response to the Yankees fans going, let's go Yankees. Clap, 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 clap. You hear me say, free run homer. And then the first swing. Swings first pitch. Center field. Over the wall, three run homer. And I think what was crazy was, as a spectator of this whole thing, I got to watch several people not follow the ball out and see where it landed, but they all turned around like mouths opened to Will to be like, How did you just do that? He was getting fist bumps and like, People were clapping at him and like he was on cloud nine and everyone is just like, how the heck did you just do that? It was incredible. Incredible I mean, to watch. It's not like I knew it was going to happen. Or no, anything. For sure not, just... but it felt like a very psychic moment. Yeah. Pretty neat. It was pretty awesome. Yeah. The best part, though, was that it happened against Garrett Cole. The fans, Yankees fans can make all the excuses they want about their injuries and stuff, but you have a if we're down six nothing to Garrett Cole, I'm expecting us to lose that game. And the Rays came all the way back and tied it before he was taken out of the game. Oh, and on that note, I also predicted that Garrett Cole would give up six runs before the game started. Like two hours before the game started. Confirmed via Twitter. I mainly said it as a joke, but I commented on Barstool Baseball's post that they were going to be keeping an eye on the Yankees and Rays game. And I said six earned runs because they were talking about Cole. But uh, yeah. Yep. Cool stuff. Like Will Stradamus or something. I'm sure it'll be edited out, but if you guys... Notice that we sound a little distracted. It's because the Rays game is now on. Yeah. I really want to go back to Camden Yards. I want to go there. Because I've never been. And it's cool. It's a cool place. Where the sand gets colder. What? Where the sand gets colder. I heard you. I don't know what that means. The Shrek song. Cool place. All star. 
Oh my gosh, is that what that line is? I think so. I thought it, it's a cool place, and they say it gets colder. Bundled up it now. Probably, it's probably that. <laughs> it get older. I'm going to look it up. <laughs> and they say it gets colder. Whatever. You made me think I was crazy. I always thought it was, and the sand gets colder. Because in the part of Shrek, it was like the creek bed or the whatever. And I just thought sand. I thought that there was a line in a Taylor Swift song that was, um, he looks so pretty like the devil. And I didn't find out until we were learning what the things we were going to have to scream as a fan were until we learned that. That it's he looks up grinning like a devil, and that was pretty embarrassing for me. Okay, back on track. The Mariners had a seven run rally with two outs in the bottom of the eighth and needed every bit of it to hang on to beat the Astros as Houston tried to mount a comeback on their own, scoring two in the ninth. Seattle won seven to five. And with that, the Mariners ended up taking the series with a three to one win today as well, finally clawing their way back to 500. This would have been yesterday. That would have been yesterday. At the same time, the Astros fall to 500. This has been the latest in the season that they've been 500 or worse since 2016, which was also the last year that they didn't make it to the American League Championship Series. We talked about how um, they lost Luis Garcia, and we talked about how they typically have slow starts, but... Yeah, that's kind of a that was kind of a surprising stat to see. So, you know, they still don't have Altuve, but you know, a small loss for them. Ah. <laughs> I don't know. I I think they're still they're still obviously going to be a playoff team. I don't think there's any denying that, unless the Rangers. Get Degrom healthy, and the Rangers Rangers continue winning. But even then, nah. <laughs> I was gonna say even then, maybe the Astros can make the playoffs. But I think it's gonna be four teams potentially from the AL East, and then the other two division winners in the American League. Yeah. So, I mean, eh. it's gonna be three AL East teams for sure. I would be fine if the Astros get nowhere, do nothing, have a crap-ass season. That would have no negative effect on me whatsoever. It's not going to happen. They have too many other players that are good enough to get them there. Like They're not only Altuve, and that's it. Yeah, well, I guess we'll see. Plus, like I said, they have all that starting pitching that's going to be able to take care of the losses that they're having in that area. All right. The Mets are also still down bad. They followed up getting swept by the Tigers by losing two out of three to the Colorado Rockies. And game three was not even close. 13 to 6. The Mets are 3 and 7 in their last 10 games. And they're now third in the division 
tied with the Miami Marlins. The Mets have gotten Scherzer and Verlander back, and they lost those two games. And they were also using them as the excuse for why they weren't winning the games. So... Sometimes you can't excuse the fact that you just suck. It might be the worst $300-plus-million-dollar team ever assembled. I said in the beginning I wanted them to do nothing. I wanted them to get nowhere. Hmm. You're welcome. But for as much hate as I have for the Mets, we should probably share some love. Share some love. <laughs> share some love. Not for the Mets, of course. But for the Marlins. We haven't really talked about them much since um, we talked about their trades in the offseason. But the Marlins are 11-0 and in one-run games after beating the Cubs yesterday, 5-4. to And they are 6-18 and in all of their other games. Which is wild. Yeah. You don't want to find yourself letting the Marlins hang around in a close game. That last game of the series they won was a 14-inning game. That's a long game. Yep. How do you know the minutes? I don't. I could find out. I'd like to know. With the pitch clock, how long did a 14-inning game take? It was only like the third... 14-inning game since they instituted the runner on second rule. Oh. In 2020. And I know I'm probably not going to get the number right, but I saw... Like, it was the same tweet that said that there were only three since 2020, and it was something like 29 or something like that in the year before that. Alone? Oh. Yeah. I enjoy the runner on second, but I definitely forgot that that was a thing during the 10th on yesterday. On yesterday. So when there was like a guy running to third when the Yankees were trying to do something, I was so confused. It was like I I felt like I had stopped watching the game or something. Yeah, sometimes when you're at the game, you kind of like, your eyes just kind of overlook the person standing out there on yeah. second. It's kind of weird. So the time of that game was three hours and 49 minutes. Whoa. It's a long one. They went five extra innings and almost doubled the amount of time that a normal game was taking. Yeah. The average game is like around two hours and 15, 20 minutes, I think. Crazy. Richmond has a Reuben mustache. Do you see it? Yeah. It's fitting since that's his team. Yeah, I think that's what made me think of it. Back-to-back strikeouts to start the game for Shane McClanahan. Whoop, whoop, whoop. The real best pitcher in baseball, not Garrett Cole. That's correct. Just you wait till Blast Hawk comes back, though. Do better. We're gonna take the, all the top spots. I wasn't oh. he's was gonna knock Shane out. <laughs> okay. God, we can have two good pitchers. Also. Also, also. Luis Arise has a four hundred 
20 batting average. I added the 100 because I didn't want to say 420. He's batting 420 through 31 games, which in today's baseball, baseball is basically unheard of. Yeah, that's really crazy. It's like old-fashioned baseball. Old-fashioned. Where they didn't take into account walks and stuff like that. On-base percentage wasn't a thing they considered. Well, he could definitely keep that shit to himself. Don't bring it over here. Yeah, but I that's really like it can't it can't it can't be overstated enough that that's really that's really impressive like i can't remember the last time someone had a 420 batting average through the first month of a season i acknowledge that i i don't really pay attention to other teams hard enough in the past to be able to say anything like that but i honestly i didn't know that you could even bat that high cuz I, I mean clearly race players aren't doing it but in the past, no, but they yeah. have like several guys who are around 300, which 300 is like the new really good. Really good used to be 400, but now there's emphasis on strikeouts and stuff so much that you know you don't even get hits or and don't even have them putting the ball in play or anything like that because pitchers are. So much better than they used to be, I think. Belly itchers. Yeah. All right. Last thing. Well, I hate this. You talk about it. The Padres won the first game of their series against the Dodgers. And there was a lot of rivalries this going on this weekend. But people are questioning whether or not the Padres and Dodgers is really a rivalry. Um, yeah, it it might start to be a rivalry after this. Um, the Padres won the first game against the Dodgers and they beat Kershaw in the game. He was pitching for the Dodgers. They beat him up. Yeah, they beat him up. Punches. And then just to add insult to injury, they put a crying Kershaw on, like, they put a filter over his face or something and put him on the scoreboard. Scoreboard. Speaking of scorebirds, we just scored on the birds. It's 1-0 Rays in the I'm, second inning. By Mr. Tight Pants. It's, um... As people have started to call him on Rays Twitter, it's Handsome Ted, Handsome Ted Williams just hit a solo home run. <laughs> Josh Lowe. Anyway. The Padres put a meme of Kershaw on the scoreboard with with like emoji tears coming off of his face. Animated. It looked so dumb. And then they lost the next two games of the series. And that is karma. Yep. Oh, also, I saw a clip today where they were talking about all the rivalries in baseball and... It was during Sunday Night Baseball that the Padres and Dodgers were on the ESPN Sunday Night Baseball. And as they had Mookie Betts mic'd up, and as he's like jogging off the field from playing defense, they're like, since he played for the Red Sox too, they're like, hey Mookie, 
what's the bigger rivalry? Dodgers and Padres or Red Sox and Yankees? And he's just like, he handled it pretty well. He's like, well, that's a tough one. But I would say that Red Sox and Yankees is probably more hostile. That's pretty fair. Yeah. Like, that's a really fucking dumb question. Yeah. (laughs) I thought you were going to talk about the sign. Oh. Because I saw... He, he, He got interviewed about that after the game. I know, I saw that. That's what I thought you Take it away. So, Since you get the corn allergy. <laughs> um, I don't know what the question was, but I know that the answer was how he had just seen the greatest sign that he'd ever seen. Admittedly, he loved the sign. He thought it was really funny. He was giving props to whoever made the sign. And he was like, but I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say on air what the sign said. And they asked a question about it. And then he was like, all right, well, what the sign said was that Mookie eats corn the long way. And he thought it was so funny. And, like, I feel bad because the person who was on the at the anchor table or whatever, what's that called? Studio. Yeah, the person in the studio was, like, laughing. And I'm not positive that he got it because he was, like, a pretty old guy and, like, I don't know if he, like, connected what it actually meant. What the guy was implying about eating corn the long way. He was laughing, but you don't think he knew what it meant? Yeah. Because he was, like, laughing, like, ha, 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 ha. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was kind of like, um, yeah, he didn't get it. And admittedly, I I didn't get I it either. Yeah, I had to get it explained to me. Because being a person from Indiana, like, that, when you say eating corn the long way, I literally start to think about corn and how it gets eaten, not the implication of eating corn the long way. Did you mean, were you thinking about, like, long as in time? Like, he eats corn by shaving off all of the kernels from the corn? (laughs) I was trying to figure out what the long way could possibly mean when eating corn. If anyone is having questions about what eating corn the long way is that's listening to this right now, just send us a fangram and we'll explain it to you next episode. It's okay, sweetheart. I didn't get it either. <laughs> um, Mom, I'm not going to explain it to you. You go ask that. Dad, if she asks you, please send in a fangram. <laughs> we want to know. All right. That's going to do it for this episode. Follow us on all of our social media. Go check out our website. Submit a fangram. Uh, if you go to our website, it has links to all of our social media accounts as well. Uh, conveniently with little buttons with logos on them and stuff. So that's pretty cool. And also share some positive feedback about the website. Because we'll put a lot of time into it. Since I was assigned to the task and I hated it. I didn't enjoy it at all. And he didn't either. To, but yeah, to be it. to be fair, the interface that we are using to do our website stuff was not very user friendly. All of that being said, you should like it even more, knowing that that process was horrible. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That's it. We can't wait to hear from you guys, and um, we'll talk to you again next week. This has been the Baseball and Chain Podcast. Till death do us, baseball. Good night. Or good morning. <laughs>